you join me at a tremendously exciting moment. It's into your head, number 806. We've a lot to get on with today. Uh. I don't worry about the belching. It's a part of the process. It's part of my process now. I have a process. I go, you join me at a tremendously exciting moment and all the rest of us. And I do some belching. The belching itself isn't important, but the belching is a byproduct of what there's something that is important, which is cramming energy drinks and coffee down my gullet like there's no tomorrow for a couple of hours before we get going. So no, if you hear belching, don't worry. It's not disgusting or anything and you don't mind. It's just a byproduct of me preparing for this podcast by harming my body. Anyway, maybe a lot to get on with today. Items that need to be attended to. Issues that need to be addressed. Topics. Oh, topics. We've got lots and lots of topics. We're positively booming to the seams with topics. We've got topics coming out of... Not topics coming out of my arse. I don't know. I'm not really in the mood for it, to be perfectly honest. Viewing your podcasts and you're sitting down here talking shit for an hour. What in the name of Christ is that as you have used? What in the name of Christ so good is that for the world? Sitting here talking shit, saying stuff you could make up on your own and say to yourself in your mind without even opening your gob. Imagine how much energy you could save if you just perform this podcast on your own, in your head, as you go to sleep. Uh, you wouldn't even have to put on an audiobook or anything to listen to. You'd, you'd save a ton of electricity for one thing. And you just, oh, you'd save me uh, internet and hosting fees. Uh, you'd save us all a bit of it. You'd save me having to pour all this energy drink down my gullet. Oh no, but you won't. No, you're, you're, you outsource everything. You even out source your thinking. You can't stand the idea of lying in bed for half an hour at night thinking your own thoughts to yourself. Uh, you have to outsource it. You say, oh, let's see, how much have I left in my annual household budget? Can I outsource some of my thinking at, at the last half hour of my precious time at home between shifts of my endless depressing day job? That's what you're thinking. You're thinking, I have an endless depressing day job that I go into every morning. I live, I'm probably in America. Most of the listeners to this are in America. Uh, all their office hours, uh, their people in office jobs in America all go in and start ridiculously early in the morning. Something like eight o'clock, a lot of them. And then they sit. Type, type, look at me, I'm typing, I'm typing away. They type away like I used to do this. I had an office job once. You go, type, 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 typey, 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 typey. And then they go, oh, it's time for my coffee break. Coffee, 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 coffee. And then they go back to their desks and they'd be hyped up on coffee. So they'd be typing away, but they'd be tapping away at the keys harder because they've had too much caffeine. It's not doing them any good. It's just wasted energy. All they're doing is tapping even harder away at the keys. Tapping, 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 tapping and waiting for it to be lunchtime. They go, yeah, it's lunchtime. And they go off to some place to get their lunch. They queue for 15 minutes in a deli and tell some young fella how to, how to make their sandwich and then pay them for the privilege. And then they bring the sandwich back to their desk and eat it. They cram that down their gullet and then they, oh, they wash it down with a drink of some sort. And then they go back to their desk and start typing again. They go typing, 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 typing. Uh, they do that for an hour and then they go, oh, it's the afternoon slump. I'm having my afternoon slump now. I don't know why. Is it because I've been typing all day or is it because I crammed this huge sandwich down my gullet an hour ago? Or is it because, oh, is it because I drank coffee all morning and now it's worn off and I'm afraid to have any more because then I won't get to sleep tonight? Because if I don't get to sleep at night, because I'll tell you, when I get back from my office job around six or seven at night, then I'm increasingly aware that I have about four hours of consciousness left till I have to go to sleep. By the time I go to sleep, if you've got a job and you're going to sleep, say you're going to bed and you're falling asleep around 11 at night, falling asleep at 11 at night 
thing that's here remembering then is that the minute I wake up from this, uh, it'll be work time again. So I'll have I'll have lost. It'd be like it'd be like having been in a coma for nine hours. I'll have lost all that time, and then it'll suddenly be. There's an episode of Black Mirror where there's some fella who he's sitting at his kitchen table, and his kids say, "Hello, father. We're going out to work. We're going out to school now." And then he sits there for another five seconds, and suddenly his kids are back, and they've had their dinner and it's the evening and he's missed something's happened to time well that's the same with every normal every normal commuter and office worker at night the last thing they're thinking at night is that they're going to sit down in their bed at 11 o'clock and think one of these minutes now I'm going to close my eyes and when I open them again it's going to be fucking morning it's going to be fucking morning time i won't enjoy the night at all because i'll be unconscious what in the name of christ is the point of that unconscious so i won't enjoy it at all of course if i stay conscious then i'll enjoy tomorrow even less because i'll be absolutely banjaxed absolutely banjaxed so anyway these people the last half hour before they fall asleep they're thinking oh i want to outsource my thinking now to someone else i don't want to be thinking here I'm going to switch off my brain for seven hours anyway, so I might as well get an extra half hour as well. So I'll outsource it to some podcaster and I'll have him do my thinking for me. Well, I'm happy to oblige. I'm just saying. You'll have a little more confidence in your own ability to entertain yourself. That's all I'm saying. It's a fast, fantastic free service from me and 2.5 million other people provide this free service to you. So every night, every night you get into bed, you get out your little podcast machine, you dial up and you bring up the menu. And you say, oh, which of these 2.5 million losers will I listen to now as I fall asleep? Which of them is most likely not to keep me away? Oh, I listen to that IT security show. I could listen to that. Then I listen to some crap. Some absolute pure unmitigated drivel. And then I... Oh, I don't know where we're going with this. Where am I going with this? I don't know. It's not really going anywhere. I suppose I should just leave it and uh, start a new segment. Is that what I'll do? I don't know. Bit of a fucking depressing thing. I just talked you through a work day. You certainly could have done that yourself lying in bed. We could have thought through your work day and thought, oh, I'm going to think through what I did today. Let's see, what did I do today? Uh, well, first I woke up at some ungodly hour. My alarm went off and I thought, Jesus Christ, it's a time to get up already. It seems like five milliseconds ago, I was sitting in bed just thinking myself to sleep, thinking pretty much the same thing that I'm thinking now. Uh, anyway, then I got up. I got up out of bed, but I brushed my teeth. I like they do it on TV. Most people don't brush their teeth at all. But if you're on a TV show, you always get up and brush your teeth for about 10 minutes. No matter what, every television drama, no matter what's going on, there could be a nuclear war going on. The place could be about to explode. Could be in the middle of hunting down some serial killer who's about to kill his 200th victim. Uh, but no, they never, in TV dramas, they never, they never not stop to brush their teeth for 10 minutes. Usually just before they get into bed. They say, I'm going to brush my teeth now. I'm going to stand here brushing my teeth. I'll be in a bathroom with two sinks in it. Because I have a, oh, I have a spouse who wants to brush her teeth too. And God forbid we should have to do it at separate times. Or have to share a sink. It's an ensuite bathroom. So we already know there's only two of us using it. So they mostly could be queuing for a minute or two. It's not, it's not like they're going to be four other people using the same ensuite bathroom unless I suppose it's a dormitory well that's that's rarely the case unless you're in some army drama and you see a load of soldiers in some dormitory tent and they're sharing a bathroom I don't know but they wouldn't mind soldiers are trained to be all obsessive about getting all this soldiers probably have a thing where I'm going to brush my teeth for exactly 2.5 minutes I'm going to brush the left part up and down five times then the right part of my my mouth up and down five times and then I'm going to brush the roof of my mouth just to 
bit of extra. I don't know, just to freshen you up a bit. I know it doesn't do much. I'm going to brush the roof, the roof of my mouth. Uh, now, ideally, a toothbrush. Uh, if the if these toothpaste brush manufacturers had any imagination, the back of a toothbrush head would have a different type of brush on it, or some sort of a sponge you could use to clean the roof of your mouth, and you'd use that because you don't want to be using a brush on the roof of your mouth, or do you? Maybe you do. Maybe you could have it where the bristles. Go all the way through to the back of the head and the other end of the bristles are soft and spongy or they're a different type. I don't know. Would that be efficient? You think of these things and you think, oh, that might be efficient. I'm going to invent that. I'm going to go and see a man about inventing that. I'll go down to some factory and see if we can set up a production process. But invariably you find out. You think you've had a great invention like that where you go down and you find out, no, that's going to take, that's going to be really hard to manufacture bulk are going to have to each fiber of the toothpaste the toothbrush head brush is going to have to be manufactured separately they're going to have to have a person on the on the line they don't want to put it on the conveyor belt because it's too fragile and a thing like that a bristle like that so there'll be a fella walking along the other side of the conveyor belt and they'll keep handing each bristle individually to each person each line operative along the conveyor belt and each line operative will take the little bristle on a tray and do whatever they do to it I don't know maybe they they bend it one way and the next fella bends it the other way and they're loosening it up i don't know what's going on but no they have processes like that and that can be very expensive the labor involved in that so no that's the thing going you think you're great inventing all these things and you go and look it up no not practical or you go and try and get a loan from the bank to do and they'll say show me your business plan please sir can i have a look at your business plan and you'll say what's a business plan and they'll say, I think it's perfectly self-explanatory. It says it's a plan for a business. You're planning a business, aren't you? You come in here for a business loan. You want me to loan you some money. Or maybe you want me to loan you a business. Is that what you want? Because that's not what we do here. We don't loan you a business. Now, there's places where you can go where you can, can loan you an office and they can loan you some facilities. You can have some sort of incubation business center where they'll let you, oh, you share their fax machines and office equipment and you have a little thing there while you're starting you're a little star hub and it's just you and you're sharing photocopiers you probably have to share a toothbrush with the other employees I wouldn't want to do that if you're working in some sort of a star hub business incubator place you don't want to be in there you're going to be sharing that office with 10 other people who are all as stressed as you they're putting their whole life savings into their one idea starting up a business oh they're just going to be growing, gritting their teeth and sweating their heads out and but I signed up saying, please respect the intra as a note of consideration to the other business entrepreneur startup. Please do not discuss work or business or money in the break room. Even if you go in there, you're going to know everyone's thinking about it. Everyone's sweating their heads off. They're mopping their brows. They probably had too much coffee. Not that that's the thing, but you can get, if you have a lot of coffee, that's going to do that to you. That's, that's one of those situations. There's two situations in life where you don't want to be having too much coffee. One is if you're a business startup, the new Apple, but you've just started, so it's just you and you're in the incubation center with 10 other people who are starring their own apples as well and everyone's freaking out you don't want to be having coffee there that's not going to help you you think it's going to help you but it's not it's not the other place where you you don't want to be having coffee is on an airplane if you're getting on an airplane for three hours and before you get into the airplane you're you're loading up on coffee you should be arrested you should be arrested that's worse than drinking it's worse than going on the plane with a gun it's worse than taking drugs you're going on to a sardine can loaded up with taffy in the name of christ is wrong with you you're going to hate everyone instantly on that plane and you're going to spend the whole trip gritting your teeth thinking what in the name of christ am i doing on here i'm up in the air in this fucking bucket a flying bucket might as well be your man in four you foreigners probably don't have foreign no franchise uh but irish television uh, had a had a children's show called Forty Coats. It was about a man who wore forty layers of coats and had a magic flying sweet shop and went off on adventures. I think it was a spin-off of Wonderly Wagon. Uh, and that's the thing we had here. Uh, he was probably loaded up on, 
on sugar from sweets. I don't think even him had coffee. I don't think we even had coffee in Ireland in those days. That was the early 1980s. I don't think we had coffee. Is that a cat trying to get out or a cat trying to get in? I don't know. I can't see. Somebody meowing, but I don't see anyone. Show yourself. Show yourself, cat. No. No, I don't think he's trying to get out. I don't think so, anyway. There's someone trying to get in. But no, you may not get in, cat. You may not. Anyway, where was I? I don't know. I was over. I was over there. Oh, yes, we were up on the plane. Uh, you don't want to be drinking coffee before you get on the plane or when you're on the plane. What in the name of Christ is wrong with you? Have you absolutely fucking lost your mind? Fuck you. You should be ashamed of yourself. And you're the reason they bring in all these security checks where they have to check everything. And then they have to bring extra security because the people who they're checking are so pissed off because they've had too much caffeine. They can't just expound it on a podcast like normal people. No, don't be going on the plane. Go and sort yourself out. Go into some junkie centre. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Load up on heroin or whatever. What's a downer that would bring you down off caffeine fast so you can get on the plane? I don't know. I don't know my drugs. Is heroin a downer? Will it bring you down off caffeine? Or is that even what a downer is? I've no idea. You're the expert, apparently. You know all about... Oh, you're such an expert in stimulation that you feel entitled to load up on coffee before you get on the plane. There's something very, very, very wrong with you. And if it was up to me, I can tell you, I'd send in the men in white coats. Uh, not the milkmen, the other men. Oh, the men in the other white coats. Although they all wear white coats nowadays. I say white coats, they're yellow. They're luminous yellow or luminous orange because everything's high visibility vests now. Which, is, it's fashionable to complain about all the high visibility vests. But I can tell you, I appreciate them. I like being able to see high visibility vests on people. Helps me figure out what's going on on. Anyway, on with the show. We've a lot to get on with today. Items that need to be attended to, issues that need to be addressed, topics. Oh, topics. We've got lots and lots of topics. We're positively booming to the themes with topics. We've got topics coming out of topics coming out of the last inch of this bottle of coke. There needs to be topics coming out of that because I don't know where the hell else they're going to come from. I suppose that that attitude needs is probably not helping. I should probably drop the should I drop the attitude? You probably you probably think I should drop the attitude, do you? Of course you do. You know everything. You're saying that fella on there, he should drop the attitude. He should just drop everything. Drop Drop the glass of coke there that he's drinking out of as well, because that's bad for him. He should drop that. Uh, he should drop, uh, oh, drop kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life. Is that a thing? It sounds familiar. Have you heard that before? Drop kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life. I can't imagine that I came up with that independently, did I? I don't think so. No, no. If I was Paul McCartney here, Paul McCartney out of the Beatles did a big long thing where when he came up with the words for the song yesterday in a dream, he spent weeks going around asking everyone, very worried, saying, I have this tune in my head. I'm hoping I came up with it independently, but I'm worried that I might have just heard the tune somewhere and absorbed it. Do you mind if I sing it to you and ask you if it sounds familiar? And he'd do that and they'd say, no, that doesn't sound familiar, Paul, at all. Well, it does now because you've been going around singing it to everyone in the office for the past three weeks. That's why it sounds familiar. But apart from that, no. What do you think? You're accidentally stealing song lyrics that you've heard off of Shakespeare now. That's ridiculous. We know that. But those were back in the days where you couldn't just go into some app. I like that Shazam thing. Is that what I think it's called? Shazam. And go, uh, hello Shazam. I have this tune in my head. I'm going to hum it to you. Can you do a search and tell me if it exists already? I presume you can do that now if you're a songwriter. Maybe I should start doing that with my harmonica stuff. Should I? I sometimes be in here and I'll take up my harmonica at random. And I'll do a little tune out of nowhere and it'll go something like this. And I spend the rest of the night thinking, wait, did I... 
did I come up with that piece on the fly out of my own mind or was I influenced by something I heard? Was it half a, did I hear half a George Formby film? Or now I know George Formby. George Formby didn't play the harmonica, he played the ukulele, but he had very melodic tunes that come into my head a lot. He did that one, When I'm Cleaning Windows, it went something like this, except on the ukulele and vocals. Well, here it is, I'll recreate it. <laughs> What I was doing there was I go cleaning windows to earn an on the spot for Rosie Parker. It's an interesting job. But some days I'll come up with a tune like that on here. And obviously I played that just now and I realised it is the George Fornby song When I'm Cleaning Windows from the 1940s. Well, other days, I, for all I know, I could be coming up with harmonica bits in the middle of the show here that I'm not thinking about and that turn out to be from something that exists. And I never normally think about it. I'm only thinking about it now because it's, it's come up. But no, it could be from... And that's that's a problem. So don't laugh at Paul McCartney when he does that. He's just trying to be a professional. Trying to be a professional singer, songwriter, performer who doesn't condemn the next generations of his family for the next thousands of years uh, to have to spend a thousand years in court on behalf of his estate fighting for the rights to his song ownership. He's trying to be responsible. He doesn't want to have to and uh, he doesn't want to have to clog up the course with all this meaningless crap about who came up with the song yesterday. You don't want everyone to spend half the day half the day in the courts going, Hello your honor, I wrote this pop song in nineteen sixty four and this fellow is worried that I stole it from him, either inadvertently or vertently. Will you have a listen to the song and make a decision, please? We need an official decision from the state court on this important matter. And the judge will say, pardon. And then the, the fellow will say, oh, please, I'm not going to repeat it. Please just have the fellow who takes the notes read back the court record to you. And the judge will say, certainly. Now, what's this about a song that you had yesterday? And you'll say, oh, well, the song was called Yesterday. And the judge will say, oh, and what's it called now? And they'll say, oh, it's still called Yesterday. It was called Yesterday. I should say it was named Yesterday when it was being created. And it's still, so it's still called Yesterday. It hasn't changed names or anything. Although now that you mentioned it, that, that gets to the nub of the issue. Because the issue was whether there was another song that was effectively this song that wasn't called Yesterday. Or maybe it was called Yesterday, but was someone else's creation. And whether uh, Mr. McCartney accidentally stole it. That will be the issue here, Your Honour. And Your Honour will say, what in the name of Christ are you talking about? I mean, this is the court of law. It's a court of law. This fella came up with a song in a dream. He went... Uh, basically, this McCartney fella, he was sitting there one night and he went, Yesterday... All my troubles seem so far away. Now I'm something, something here today. I believe in yes. Well, he clearly doesn't believe in yesterday. He doesn't even believe in his own ability to produce a fucking song. Get this crap out of my court. Get it out, get it out immediately. Get it out, 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 out. Get out, 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 get out. Get out of my court. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And then someone goes, the court will rise. And the judge says, fair enough, you rise. Does that mean I can leave now? Uh, no one will say anything because it's up to the judge. And the judge will get up and walk out. And then they'll go into commercial break. And then they'll come back on and it'll be Judge Judy this time. Judge Judy will come on. I hear uh, you've got some sort of a song and the other fellow says he wrote it in his sleep. And you say you wrote it consciously while he was awake. Well, was he asleep when you wrote it or did you write it in the past before that? Because then we get something I should explain to you hearing for the viewers. Because Judge Judy is an educational programme. We want to educate the viewers here. Say if Mr McCartney here came up with this song in his sleep independently. But you're saying you came up with the song previously. Now, even if that's true, you have to prove that he came up with the song before he went to sleep, not while he was asleep. Because if you're coming up with it while you're awake and he's coming up with it while he's asleep and you're both doing it simultaneously, then you have an advantage over him. You can't expect him to know what's going on in the world around him when he's asleep. How would he know that? 
Although, to be fair, how would you know what's going on in his dream world while he's asleep? You're not some sort of weird psychic. Uh, I trust you're not spying on his dreams anyway, even if you are. So I suppose that makes no sense either. Uh, all I'm saying, this is a generalised thing. This doesn't really apply to this case. But just for the viewers out there, if you're thinking of suing someone over a song that they came up with in their sleep, don't go trying to make out that you came up with it while they were asleep, because that's not fair. That's like saying if someone's in a coma for 20 years and they write, oh, they write a load of books about something, and then they wake up and you'll say, oh, what did you do while you were asleep? And they said, oh, I wrote a load of books about something. I'll regurgitate them now into a into a book as soon as I rehabilitate my fingers so I can type. By the way, while he was in a coma, as a matter of interest, and the surgeon will say, oh, I don't know. I think there, I think there was something radically wrong with you, to be perfectly honest. It's not really normal to be in a coma for 20 years. You don't just slip into a coma for no reason. So I think your best bet is that there was something wrong with you, something radically wrong with you, and there may well still be something radically wrong with you. I don't know, to be perfectly honest. It's been very hard to examine you because you've been in here in a coma for the last 20 years. There's been nothing very much you could do. You're just barely just lying there. I came in here every morning, home to do an examination and ask you a few questions. But you're just being there. You're just being there, comatose, spittle coming out of your mouth, a tube sticking into your brain that's presumably pumping in some sort of sugar or something. I don't know. Whatever the nurses put into you. Just couldn't get a word of sense out of you at all. I'm very glad I'm not a detective because imagine if you're a police detective, you're waiting 20 years to interview someone like other people's lives could be at risk. You want to interview them as soon as possible. That would be very aggravating. So I had to, I had to wait until you wake up too so I could ask you questions, but it wasn't really that important. It seemed important at the time because I was trying to save your life, but now I know you were going to wake up anyway, so none of it matters. I don't know, because you seem to have your own, your own life under control after all. Why you need to be in a hospital at all, I don't know. Why did you come into a hospital at all if you're just going to cure yourself and wake up after 20 years? That's what I want to know. You're just taking up a bed. You do know there's a crisis in the in the health system here. You're sitting here taking up a bed. You don't even know you're taking up a bed. Uh, you're just sitting there probably, oh, you're probably composing songs in your sleep. Tell me that. Did you compose any songs in your sleep? What did you come up with? Did you write a, oh, did you write a Beatles song? Did you? And uh, the surgeon, will, the patient will say, Oh, I didn't, don't know what I wrote. How in the name of God would I know what I wrote in my sleep? Is there a notepad or something? I don't know. Was I writing in my sleep? Uh, or maybe recording it? I don't know. And the surgeon will say, well, there's a machine attached to you there, sir. And as you can see, it produces waves. The machine there produces waves on the screen. Waves that are very similar to the waves that are produced on the audio software app that's recording a podcast. So if you were if you were singing anything in your sleep, you'd easily have recorded it onto that. And the patient will say, well, maybe I did then. I don't know. Just go back and search it. And the surgeon will say, so you want me to go back through 20 years of data here just to search to see if you came up with the Beatles yesterday? And the patient will say, oh, I wasn't being that specific at all. I didn't mean search for a specific song or just see if anything came up interesting, something of value. Because to be fair, if I've been sitting here asleep in a coma for 20 years, if there's anything I've done that's of value, uh, it would be quite useful to have so I can sell it, maybe feed my family for the rest of my life. Because I've 20 years of pension building up that I failed to pay into, 20 years of pension contributions. I need to find anything I've done that's of value that I can sell and try and piece my financial life back together. I don't think that's unreasonable, is it? And the surgeon will say, now did you put it that way? No, it's not, but yes it is. Because one for one thing, uh, is your insurer going to let me put eight staff onto analysing the, the data here from your machine to see if you recorded a, a, a Beatles song uh, while you were asleep for 20 years? That's an awful lot of... That's an awful lot of man, woman, hours, labour. That's just an awful lot of labour. 
uh, and technology to have to to have to access that machine. That machine will have to be uh, given over to the whole search for another five years. They'll spend five years using that machine there to search your waves and see if you came up with anything. So there's going to be a five-year hold on anyone who's queuing up to use the coma machine is going to have to wait another five years before they can go into their coma. And that'll be on your head just because you're moaning about your pension or something. Would you go away out of that? You've had 20 years of your retirement now. So you can go and go back to work after this and then work an extra way. It'd be a bit like with Nelson Mandela. When Nelson Mandela spent half his life in jail, uh, he came out. He was an old man when he came out, but he knew uh, all that's happened here is that I've had an early retirement. I've uh, had most of my retirement in jail here in my 30s and 40s and 50s. And now I'm going back to work and then I can work through my old age when I'd normally have been retired. So it's just swapped out the two parts of my life. I put my career on hold until my old age. and I've had my old age retirement period early. Uh, and that's how we did that. So that's how you should think about it too, coma survivor. And the coma survivor will say, well, fuck you very much. And the surgeon will say, oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Uh, that's absolutely great. Fuck me very much. What in the name of crap? What does that even mean? It's just some stupid, that's the sort of insult you expect on, oh, one of those things. Oh, what's that movie with the... Oh, the dude. What's that movie with the dude and the fellow off Roseanne who's also on arachnophobia and they're all going around. It's implied that they're all on drugs. I don't. I can't remember if they showed them on drugs, but they're all on drugs. And you have the dude and you have the other fella and he probably goes around saying things like, fuck you very much. That's the sort of thing you expect from him. Uh, not from a man who's just come out of a coma and got his life back, for Christ's sake. Uh, and a great night is had by all. Into your head. The two cats walk into a bar. One of the cats goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, could I have a pint of your finest Guinness, please? And the man behind the bar says, Certainly, sir, a pint of my finest Guinness coming right up, coming right up. Uh, coming, oh, it's coming right up. And the cat says, why are you saying it like that? And the barman says, oh, you mean, why am I saying coming right up? Uh, and the cat says, yes. And the barman says, oh, it's just, just a bit of showmanship. Coming right up. Coming right up. Maybe I'll make it a catchphrase. Coming right up. You could probably turn it into some sort of a, what do you call it when you put it on the keyboard? You make a button on your keyboard that goes coming right up. And then you start use it to make a mix. You can make a rap mix dance parade thing out of it. Is that what the young people call them? And the cat says, I've no idea. I've no idea. I've never met a young person in my life, nor do I wish to. The only point in which a cat comes in contact with young people is where the young person has persuaded their parents to let them get a cat. Uh, and that's a situation no cat wants to be in, I can tell you. So no, I've no idea how young people work or what they do or what happens, nor do I wish to have any idea. And the barman says, coming right up. And the cat says, if you keep doing that, I'm going to have to punch your face in. Uh, in a, in a cute cat way where I just swipe my paws but I can't bend them or anything just, so I just sort of swipe my paws don't worry though I can still do plenty of damage mightn't necessarily be much of a punch but it'll scrape your face off uh, it looks like it'll look like I'm coming in for a punch but it'll be really be more about the scraping it's like if a boxer came in and was going to punch you in the face but it turned out that uh, how it turned out that instead of a fist under his boxing gloves he just had a tiny flimsy little hand but also a load of scissors blades or something like Edward Scissors hands perhaps uh, and they probably had the pathetic face that Edward Scissors hands has on him in the movie so you see his little cute pathetic face so you think oh he's not going to do much damage I tell you he does do much damage if you get punched by someone whose hand is made of scissors even if it's covered in a fabric glove, those scissors are going to punch out through the glove and they're going to stab you in the face. 
I can tell you, she do a lot of damage with that. She can tell you. I've never done it myself. I've never, I've never punched anyone in the face while operating a hand made of scissors. I just have a feeling. I've, I've used a fair few scissors in my life, and I've injured myself with minor injuries with office equipment in my life and stationery. So I think I know a thing or two about uh, how how injurious that would be. So no, he won't do that. And the barman says, fair enough, fair enough. Now I say fair enough, but I can't remember if that was you talking or me. So I'm just saying fair enough either to what you just said or to what I just said. Anyway, coming right up, coming right up. And the cat says, Jesus Christ, I've just warned you I'm going to punch you in the face. Now, I know I did explain that my punching will be ineffective as a punch, but it'll scrape them. Do you not understand? It's going to scrape your face to threads. It's going to scrape your face to threads. And the barman will say, but here, don't have a... You don't have a scissors paw, cat. That was all fictional. You were just talking about it being like Edward's scissor hands under your boxing glove. Under your boxing glove there is just a cute little paw paw. And you've probably been declawed. I presume you have, or the bouncer wouldn't have let you in here. I assume the bouncer in my bar would not have admitted a cat who hadn't been declawed. Uh, at least on his, on his fun. Oh, wait a minute, though. When you get declawed... Are you upright talking cats who come in the bars? When you got declawed, uh, do you just get your fingers done and leave your back toes alone? Uh, is it, or is it like a manicure and a pedicure? Or do you just go, oh, pedicure? Oh, that's what he... I wonder is that, did he call it pedicure because you get it for your pets? And the cat says, I'm going to break out my claws now. I'm going to break out my claws. Uh, and it's perfect. There's nothing you can do about it because the bouncer waved me in. So apparently I've got full approval to do this to you. I'm going to break out my claws and I'm going to, oh, I'm going to swipe at your face like this, like I'm doing now, swiping at your face. And you see the way I'm, I'm not even wearing boxing gloves and you can't see scissors. I don't have a scissors hands. Uh, but I think you'll find my claws are not declawed and they're scraping your face to bits right now as we speak. And the barman says, ow, 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 ow. Uh, I think I prefer you didn't do that to me, cat, if you don't mind very much. Trying to do you up a pint of Guinness here and there's going to be blood. There's going to be blood in the head of the Guinness. In the white foamy head of the Guinness, there's going to be visible splashes of blood. I tell you, it's not like getting a bit of... Uh, it's not like adding a bit of black currant or red currant to your Guinness. This is actual blood coming from me, uh, a deeply unhealthy man. And it's going to be in your drink that you're going to be drinking. Is that what you want? Is, you want my blood in your drink that you're going to be drinking? And the cat says, I have to admit I hadn't thought this through very much. No, I don't want your blood in my drink that I'm going to be drinking. I most certainly do not. That sounds that sounds unappetizing to say the least. Although now that you mentioned it, people drink beer all the time that tastes like piss. And there's no such thing as a beer that tastes nice. It's all unappetizing. And we're perfectly happy to drink it. We even make a sour face every time we take a sip. And we still drink it, so I don't know, maybe a bit of blood wouldn't do any harm. Has blood got sugar in it? It probably does. That'll sweeten it up a bit. I know, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Although I see your point about seeing the blood splatters on it. That might be a bit off-putting, I suppose. Ah, I can just throw away the point and get another one. Or I could make you throw away the point and get me another one. I could just threaten you. I'll say I'm going to scrape your, going to continue to scrape your face off till your face is gone. And then when your face is gone, I'm not going to wait for another face to grow before I continue clawing at it. No, no, I'm just going to continue clawing until whatever's under your face is gone. What's under your face, if you don't mind me asking? Is it a, is it more flesh? Uh, is there a skull or something? Uh, do you have a mouth underneath there or is that mouth just like a just like a frontage like on a oh you know on one of those fake shop fronts that they have on uh, rundown buildings when they have derelict buildings sometimes they put a fake shop front on it or sometimes on the set of a soap opera they have fake shop front facades is that what your face is is your face a fake front shop facade and underneath it is just a hollow no, just a hollow head with brains and 
mouths and things. And surely it's not face all the way through, is it? Is your, is your head face all the way through? If I take a slice off the front of your face, will there be more face behind us, like slicing through a potato? Or is it more like slicing through a hollow fruit, such as for example? I can't think of any at the moment. See, now that you mention it, there aren't really any hollow fruits, are there? There are fruits that have a, that have a stone in the middle, and they'd be hollow if you could get the stone out before you open them. But no, by the time you get to the stone, you've chopped away enough of the fruit to get at the stone, then there's nothing for there to be hollow. So once you get the stone out, the hollow that's in there in the middle is no longer in the middle because it's like an open cave. So that doesn't count. So no, if you if you're your face, your face in layers all the way through. Is it like a tree? If I chop the wave, is there more and more rings all of the same? Well, I get your younger face. Would your face get younger and younger as I chop away layers and layers of it and get to the inner, inner rings? Is that what would happen? I suppose there's only one way to find out. And the man behind the bar says, Sir... If this continues much longer, I'm going to have to consider calling security because I'm starting to feel a little, oh, a little threatened here. And I'm sure, I'm sure my other patrons here are none too happy about this. And the cat says, oh, that's a fair point. Will we ask the other patrons? Other patrons, excuse me, if you don't mind, can I have your attention here for a moment? A uh, cute little cat here waiting on my Guinness that's apparently going to be splattered with blood. Um, As you can see, I'm clawing away at this barman's face with my cute little claws here and they're scraping away layer by layer and I was just wondering let's say it's for a bet I was wondering do you think if I claw away at the face do you think each layer of face that I take off there'll be a younger and younger layer progressively as I go along a progressively younger and younger layer like they're clawing away at the rings of a tree do you think that's how it works or is it just hollow on the inside I don't I'm wondering what do you think patrons and the patrons will say, we're all drunk. You do realise that. And the cat says, oh, yes, I know that. I know that. That's why you're seeing me. I'm not real. And that's why this man here doesn't need to call security. I'm a figment of your imaginations. It's all perfectly fine. And that's not even real blood. That's, uh, let's see, what's that? Oh, it's probably leftover cranberry. Christmas just a few weeks ago. So it's probably leftover cranberry sauce. Uh, I don't, I presume it is. I've never eaten cranberry sauce, except that one time I tried it. I didn't think much of it. I thought it was a bit gross, to be honest. Uh, there are some people that get so excited about cranberry sauce at Christmas, you think, why don't you just get the sauce and not bother with the fucking turkey and just eat the sauce? We'll put it on some bread, like jam or something. Make some toast and put the cranberry sauce on the toast. And then you'll save about save yourself about six hours of cooking and you'll probably enjoy just as much, just as much, because you spend the whole year going on about your cranberry something something cranberry. The only other time you hear anyone talking about cranberry is when they have a oh they have a urinary tract infection and their grandmother has sworn by it that you get oh you're supposed to get cranberry juice and pour buckets and buckets and buckets of it uh, into it. Now you don't pour it into your urethra, your urethra. Uh, you pour it down your mouth and then eventually trickles through. It's like a trickle-down economy your body is. Uh, the, the body is like, that's what the body is. The body is a, a trickle-down economy because you pour all these rich things into your mouth like cranberry juice or wine or turkey and when you pour them in, when they first go into your mouth, Oh, they're fantastic. They're full of rich nutrients and sugars and vitamins and tastes and all these stuff. Uh, and then it gradually, it gradually disintegrates as it goes down through your body. Uh, gravity draws it down through your body and it gets sucked through the various organs to strip it of everything. Uh, it's like... Oh, it's like going through some sort of a factory where you dismantle stuff and everything's stripped down. Uh, it's like, I suppose it's like uh, when you put food down through the human body, it's a bit like when you get a you get a cow carcass at the beginning of a conveyor belt in a meat factory. You get a full cow carcass, looks like a lovely, healthy, dead cow there. And for the next half hour, everybody's just taking turns, stripping away. They take off its eyes and its flesh and its mouth and its bones. 
and everything else and all the byproducts, at the end you're left with nothing. If it's an efficient production process, you're left with absolutely nothing at the end, uh, not even a bowl of piss. Now, the human the human uh, system isn't as efficient as that because when you eat a cow carcass, if you cram a cow carcass into your mouth, uh, well, you start, you slowly, your body, your digestive system strips away at it. But you're not left with nothing. You are not. You're left with some very disgusting byproducts at the end. Uh, and they come out. And that's why you have to worry about you, the urethral infections and things. Is that what I was talking about? Yeah, I was saying something about urethral infections. And I can't remember what my point was going to be, but I'm sure it was very, I'm sure it was very clever. And the man behind the bar says, that's great, that's great. That's absolutely great. Uh, now, have we got to the bottom of this face thing? And the cat says, oh, yes, yeah, we haven't. I'm still wondering if I strip away your face layer by layer. I'm four layers in now, and you're looking a bit raw, I have to admit. Uh, but maybe that's just what your younger self looked like. Uh, let's say every layer I take off is a year, like on a tree, every layer of your face that I take off is a year. By any chance, four years ago, where you were a raging, red-faced alcoholic, because uh, that's what your fourth layer looks like to me. Uh, or maybe is that just the blood? I don't know. I don't know. Ah, uh, we'll keep going anyway. Another few layers and we'll see what he were like as a young man. Uh, unless anyone wants to, unless anyone here has any objections, if any of the patrons have any objections to what I'm doing here to this year, barman, your elected barman for this establishment, uh, speak now or forever hold your tongue. Uh, and the patrons say, we're drunk, we're drunk as be damned, we're fucking drunk as be damned, so we are. Uh, what's all this about? And the cat says, oh, sorry, I'm sorry to disturb your night with this very entertaining spectacle, which you're clearly enjoying. For some reason, you don't want to admit it, uh, but I'm stripping away at this man's face. That's a bit, that's a bit much. That's a bit much. Uh, an extremely violent cat, thuggish cat, stripping away a man's face. That man who runs a bar, he takes enough risks. He has to deal with every drunken lout coming in off the street. And you're going to have some cat stripping away his face just for a laugh. Well, relax. It wasn't just for a laugh. The man had upset the cat. He'd been going on about his, I forget what it was. It was the cranberry juice or something. I can't remember why. Oh, was there something about... I don't even know. Oh, no, that the man behind the bar was doing some gimmick. He was saying something, wasn't he, repeatedly? Oh, yes, he was saying, coming right up, coming right up. And that annoyed the cat to the point where the cat needed to peel his face off in layers and start taking bets from the other customers as to whether or not you can peel away the layers of a man's face like you do with a tree or whether it's hollow underneath, like, like the middle of a piece of fruit would be if he could take the stone out without opening the fruit. Uh, that's all that was going on there. The, the cat was provoked. Now, you always do this. You, know, you always blame the cat. The cat was provoked. The man was... Oh, the man was being obnoxious. He was being absolutely... He was going... Uh, coming right up. Coming... Can you imagine having that said to you when you're a cat? You're in a cat. You're a talking cat in a pub. You've managed to ask for a pint of Guinness and the fella starts going as if it's not enough of a gimmick to have a cat in your bar ordering a pint. He decides to add this little flourish. He starts going, coming right up. Coming right up. Coming right up. Would that not annoy you? It would annoy me. I mean, you're listening to this now. Are you not feeling the desire to scrape my face off in layers? Now, maybe you're not. Maybe the only reason you're not is because you know more than the cat. 
you happen to be a partially trained doctor or medic or something or you know a bit about science or the human body and you happen to know that that's not accurate or maybe you don't know about science and you just know about trees maybe you're a tree surgeon and you happen to know that stripping away a tree isn't as simple as just going away a head that it doesn't come off in layers like that it comes off in clumps so it wouldn't be realistic maybe that's what you're thinking but that's the that's not that's not you put yourself in the shoes of the cat not your own shoes hey don't put yourself in the sh- your own shoes the shoes of the tree surgeon uh, that you happen to be or the shoes of the medical student that you happen to be put yourself in the cat's shoes and then see what that's like uh, put yourself in in fact put yourself in two cat's shoes two pairs of cat's shoes a cat has four feet oh wait how's that going to work if you have to put yourself in a cat's shoes now the cat is presumably wearing well you see that's i think i messed that up because a, a cat would be wearing a pair of shoes unless somebody is making sets of four shoes for cats the cat would be ma- wearing a pair of shoes presumably on its uh, no not presumably a hole on its front legs surely it'd be more likely on its back leg uh, hole and who were it would wear gloves if anything on its front paws i don't know i don't know well who wears gloves in their bar that's the thing that's the thing especially if you have claws uh, i think the man was hoping that he'd be declawed oh, no, i don't know uh where was i going with that uh no i was saying put yourself in the cat's shoes the cats and if the cat's wearing if the cat's wearing probably wearing two pairs of shoes unless somebody is manufacturing four of them or unless he's also wearing gloves so put your in and you can't put yourself in four shoes obviously for obvious reasons so get two shoes uh get two odd shoes one from one pair and one from another put one shoe on your left foot and a different shoe on your right foot and then that's as near as you can get to putting yourself in the cat's shoes, I suppose. It'll have to do for now. And then see what you think then when you're in the cat's shoes. See if you see if you feel like tearing a strip off that fella. I know you might say, oh, I would feel like tearing a strip off that fella. But I chose some, I'd exercise some restraint because I'm not a thug. I'm not a thuggish cat who goes around tearing faces off. Well, good for you, aren't you great? Your blue Peter badge is in the post. Anyway, on with the show. Two retired tree surgeons walk into a bar. One of the retired tree surgeons goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, can I have a pint of your finest? Jesus Christ, what in the name of holy shit and Christ happened to your face? And the man behind the bar says, I beg your pardon, sir. And the retired tree surgeon said, I said, what in the name of Jesus Christ, holy fuck on the popsicle stick? And that may not have been my exact words, but something along those lines uh, happened to your face. And the barman says, oh, I see what you mean. Oh, well, you see, this cat here has been peeling away at my face. Yeah, layer by layer. Now he's working on an experiment. He has a theory that there's layers of face all the way through, just like the rings of a tree. So he's trying to peel away what he imagines to be the, the layers of face that are on me. He thinks he's down to three or four layers down now. But I think all that's happened is that he's peeled off some skin and I'm pretty much just blood underneath. I should probably get him to stop now. What do you think? And the tree surgeon says, Oh, that's not for me to say, sir. Uh, for one thing, I'm retired. I'm no longer active as a tree surgeon. Uh, for another thing, you're not a tree. I suppose you're you're you want me to apply my tree knowledge to say whether what will happen to you if the cat continues doing this. I don't think that's a reasonable form of advice to seek. I mean, I could do that. I could tell you all about what would happen if you were a tree and the cat were peeling layers of bark off you. But we don't have, we would have to go on the assumption that you're a tree. And we shouldn't make assumptions like that. Or assumptions that humans work the same way as trees. We shouldn't make assumptions like that, sir. At least I shouldn't, because I'm... I'm a tree surgeon, a retired tree surgeon at that, and I shouldn't make assumptions about how other branches of science works just based on my little narrow field. That's not even a field, the forest. A field that's full of trees is a forest. It's not a field anymore, is it? Is that right? If you were a field and you fill it full of trees, every inch of it is covered in tree foliage. Can you still call that a field? I don't think you can. You call it a, I suppose you call 
the trees a forest and you say the forest was planted on a field so maybe the field is the the piece of property that's underneath it so if they were ever to sell it uh what i would say on the on the deeds of ownership might call still call it a field but it'd just be referring to the ground underneath the piece of property that's just a legal thing. No, it's not a field anymore. It's a forest. It's a fucking forest. Uh, I know that much at least. I may be just a retired tree surgeon who hasn't kept up to date with the latest developments. But I know, I can be damn sure to Christ as hell in a popsicle stick that I know that if you plant a field full of trees and it grows into a forest, then it's not a field anymore. It's not a field anymore, except maybe on paper. And by the way, if, you're, if your deeds of ownership says it's still a field and they're, they're saying that because the ground underneath is a field, then they're ignoring the trees that are planted on top. So presumably what's happened there is you're putting the you're putting the field up for sale but not the forest. So it's like putting a house up for sale but not including the carpets and fittings. So you're going to reflect that in the price, presumably. Uh, well, then you're going to have to get rid of the trees first. Take all the trees away, uproot them completely and get rid of them and not replace them. Uh, surely that reduces the place in value. I don't know, unless they're going to turn it into to uh, houses or something. If they're going to turn it into houses though, surely they'd want the trees for the wood. Would you not think that? Although maybe there, maybe everyone doesn't make uh, houses out of wood. I know people in America, in the parts of America I've been to, they make houses out of wood. But in most normal parts of the world, they don't. They make houses out of bricks and mortar and clay, not clay, bricks and water and clay and concrete, big blocks of concrete. I've been to Boston and they have all these houses that seem to be made of wood. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. If you have a first gust of wind there, that house blows down. I mean, and you're telling all your kids these horror stories about houses that blow down to some Billy Goat's gruffers. What's that thing? The tree billy goats gruff or something and the wolf blows your house down. The tree little wolves or their houses or the tree little sheeps or something. I think there's two or three fairy stories like that where there's a, a wolf comes along and blows your house down and all this stuff. Absolutely appalling. You tell your children that and then as if to make it worse you actually make their houses out of wood. Like you're trying to make their worst nightmares come true. You say basically you're telling your child a nightmare horror story uh, at bedtime and then you're making it come true by making them live in a house that's made of wood. I mean, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake. I you know, I can tell you another thing about Boston. You can be damn sure that Prudential Tower and that Hancock Tower, the two big skyscrapers in the middle of Boston, they're not made of wood. They are not. They're not made of wood. One of them's made of glass and one of them's made of Christ knows what. Well, it's not made of wood, I can tell you. It's not made of wood. What's that song? Uh, treat, I think it's Elvis, is it? Treat me nice, treat me good, treat me like the way you should. Cause I'm not made of wood and I don't have a wooden heart. That's what the Hancock Tower and the Prudential Tower in Boston would say if they could sing to your child. They'd say, I'm not made of wood. Although maybe they presume they've got loads of wood inside. I don't I don't know what skyscrapers are made of. I don't think they're made of wood. Are they made of wood? Are skyscrapers who am I asking? I don't who the fuck am I asking? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Skyscrapers, are you made of wood? Uh, there's no response from the skyscrapers. Uh, if there's, I suppose that's what something, that would be quite a wooden response, to have no response. Or maybe they just say if they were wooden, they'd say, yes, we're made of wood. They'd say in a very wooden way. I don't know. No, skyscrapers, that's just, I don't know, but I'm going to assume that skyscrapers are not made of wood. Uh, I lived in a bungalow once that had a lot of wood in it. Uh, in fact, that's not true. It had a when we first moved into it. It was a bungalow that had been there for some time, and there was very little wood in it at all. The well, the floors were made of wood, but the, all of the internal walls were made of uh, block concrete blocks and bricks and concrete and plaster. There was very little wood in it at all, and the only time the wood came along was when we did an attic conversion, and everything in the attic 
the conversion got made of wood because uh, that's light. If you put concrete up on top of an attic conversion in a bunker or party, it's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks and squash you to death and squash the building. It won't stay up. So no, they make all that stuff out of wood. So, uh, so then you're sitting in the bungalow and it has an upstairs but it's in a lot. People are walking around upstairs on this fucking creaky wooden floor and this uh, creaky wooden walls and this creaky wooden ceiling and these creaky wooden uh, roof windows. It's extremely noisy, I can tell you. Wood is extremely noisy. Concrete is a lot not quieter. A lot quieter. Uh, which makes you wonder why you... Uh, why you'd want to have a, a silent material for a skyscraper. A skyscraper is a thing. It's it's right in the middle of a city. Uh, people people live people go there during their working day. They don't need silence. It's it's the middle of a big huge city. That's why it's a skyscraper. Why would they need silent materials? No no. It wouldn't need silent materials, so it should be perfectly fine to make a skyscraper out of wood. No one's going to be going around going, oh, that fellow up on the 30, 30 second floor, I wish he stopped pacing around on his wooden floor. It's driving me mental down here. You wouldn't, not. Just put on some earphones and then use it as an incentive to get a better job that's not in that building. That's what you do. Oh, no. A skyscraper should be made of wood. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. On with the show. Two further Ooh. retired tree surgeons walk into a bar. One of the two further retired tree surgeons goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, can I have a pint of your finest? Jesus, holy fucking Christ, what happened to that man's face? Uh, and the man behind the bar says, What man? And the retired tree surgeon says, that fellow over there, my colleague, the retired tree surgeon, not the fellow who I came in with, he's a different fella. The other retired tree surgeon, who presumably came in earlier, I suppose I, it's probably inaccurate of me to call him my colleague, since we're, we're all retired, we're not colleagues anymore. We're not colleagues anymore, former colleagues. Although, if you're a president or a pope who's retired, you get to call yourself a president or a... Pope Emeritus, why shouldn't I get to call myself a colleague? Oh, I can, I can call myself whatever I want. But the problem is when I call another fella a colleague, like him, the other tree surgeon, retired. If I call him a colleague, that's the problem. It's fine, I can call myself whatever I want, because that's just, I have naming rights on my own body. I can call myself, if I want, I can, I can look at my body and say, oh, look, you're the left bit of you on your hand there, that's part of a retired tree surgeon. Uh, that other bit, that's a colleague of your retired... How did you mention it? Uh, maybe parts of me are colleagues and parts of me have aren't. Because uh, when I'm going into work as a tree surgeon, or uh, when I was before I retired, I wasn't using my whole brain or my whole body for any part of that job there. When I went into a meeting with one of my colleagues, most of the time I was just using my mouth and a small part of my brain and maybe a hand to shake hands with, and the rest of my body wasn't involved at all. So only those three parts of my body were a colleague of that colleague, and the rest of them was just, uh, just a, a bystander or a, a weirdo who works in the office on his own in the corner office and has no interaction with others. Because only those three parts of my body, part the hand that I shake hands with, part of my brain that thinks when I'm talking in a meeting, and my mouth that talks in the meeting, those were the only parts that had colleagues, because those are the only parts who interact with the other uh, people. Do you see what I mean? I know it's... A it's not, it's not the most profound point ever. It is quite unusual though, isn't it? And the man behind the bar says, yes, uh, but he were saying, I think you were in the middle of saying, Jesus Christ, what happened to your face? And uh, oh, the tree surgeon says, yes, I was. I think, was I saying it to the other tree surgeon who was in here from earlier? I think I was. Uh, other tree surgeon, what in the name of Christ happened to your face? 
and the other tree surgeon says, "Oh, I don't. Uh, I'm not your. I'm not a tree surgeon anymore. I think you've you've misidentified me. Uh, I'm not a tree surgeon anymore. I was when I walked into this bar forty five minutes ago. But I can tell you, I'm sure as hell the Christ as hell not a tree surgeon now. I don't know what I am. But I'm not a tree surgeon. Uh, I think I might be nothing. I don't know what I am. Because uh, all I know is I was in here happily ordering a pint." And I asked the barman what happened to his face. And then there was something involving a cat. And now I'm just a hollow shell. I'm just a hollow, empty shell remainder of my former self. I don't even think I'm here anymore. I don't know what's happened, but something happened and I don't know what. All I know is it's the fucking weirdest bar I've ever been in. And I want to get out now. I want to get out, 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 get out. I wish I was a dog, like the dog in some previous episodes. Because when you're a dog in a bar on this podcast, the first thing that happens when you go into a bar is the barman immediately goes, oh, there's a disgusting little dog get out 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 we don't want disgusting little dogs in here and that would be i tell you this would be a good time to be a dog because if i come in here 45 minutes ago and being a dog i would have got chewed out of the place immediately and the last 40 minutes of my life wouldn't have happened and i wouldn't be a pale shallow former uh, thing of my former self uh, now I know what you're thinking you're thinking I was already retired when I came in here so I was already a pale shallow reflection of my former self but no it's got a lot worse in the last 40 minutes and I tell you all about it but I don't want to it sounds exhausting it's just a lot of stuff happens I think it's probably best leaving it to your imagination because uh, we did agree earlier in the show uh, that it would be a good thing if you spent the last half hour of your day uh, performing your own podcast to yourself inside your mind in the in the uh, oh in the in the bed you're sitting there in the bed after your big long day uh, it would be a good thing if you just I don't want you to abandon listening to podcasts completely but for the last half hour of the day you should spend the last half hour of your day today as you go to sleep uh, thinking up in your mind what happened to that poor retired tree surgeon after he went into the bar and saw the cat and saw the barman with his face scraped off and then uh, something happened and then the other Oh, his colleague came in 40 minutes later and asked, what the hell happened to you? And we're leaving it open for your imagination. So there you go. There's something for you to think about as you go to sleep tonight. And get your get your own brain back and can take control of your own brain and your imagination for half an hour of the day. And then in the morning you can get but when you get up you can go back to listen to crap and I'll take over again. Uh, is that fair? I think that's fair. Is that fair? Uh, I don't know who I'm asking now. I'm uh, sometimes I ask the cats, but I don't have cats in here in this room. There's no cats in this room uh, except for the imaginary ones, and those are all fucking uh, psychopaths. I'm not going to ask them. Anyway, good morning. Good morning.